Want to know something shocking? When it comes to complex PTSD, research has shown almost no definitive pattern of effectiveness associated with any particular approach to treatment. This is despite thousands of practitioners and agencies who claim that they treat the effects of childhood trauma. To me, this is a travesty, and no one seems to ever be held accountable. There are a lot of good, caring people out there, but are people actually getting better? I'm gonna go through some of the popular treatments out there and tell you what we know so far about them, and this may offend some of you, and I'll just say that if you've had good results with one of these treatments, stay with it. I'm not the authority on what's best for you, but if you've been trying and trying to get help for problems connected to your own childhood trauma, keep listening. I'm gonna tell you some things that don't have a very good track record, and then I'll tell you some that do. Some people do find help and healing, and they do it in different ways. The most common treatments by far are medication and therapy, or a combination of both. So let's start with medication. Now, depression and anxiety are extremely common in people with complex trauma, and these days, it's really likely that those people who seek help for those problems are going to be prescribed antidepressants and or anti-anxiety medication. With complex trauma, they can be somewhat helpful to calm intense symptoms, though in most cases, it's gonna delay recovery because it dulls awareness or it produces brain fog. And there can be serious side effects, including suicidal and homicidal ideation, sexual difficulties, or a sense of numbness when trying to make decisions or connect with other people. These are all very important to recovery. Now, medications don't offer a cure. The side effects and the benefits are gonna go away as soon as the medication is discontinued, or for the most part. Traditional talk therapy it would, including cognitive behavioral therapy, which is also known as CBT. It attempts to replace negative associations with positive ones. That is the standard of our times for anything trauma-related. And some related kinds of therapy that have been used for trauma include cognitive processing therapy, exposure therapy, dialectical behavior therapy, and internal family systems or parts therapy. And these focus on aspects of trauma, such as memories, sensitivity to triggers and regulation of emotions. And talk therapy has helped many people, but research has produced you know, findings that are conflicted about its effectiveness in treating the effects of trauma in childhood. Now therapy and medication are the default treatments for people who are suffering emotionally. And I've heard many people say they found them helpful, but with childhood PTSD, they're more likely to fail than to work. Let me say that again. They are more likely to fail than to work, yet they absorb almost all insured treatment that people can access. Almost nothing outside of conventional therapy is covered by private insurance or national health programs. With so many people suffering, why isn't there more curiosity about that? More research, more getting outside of the box by evaluating what does not work, and more inclusion of methods that are promising, that show that they work? Why aren't they in insurance plans? Now, another problem with the conventional therapy and meds approach is the assumption, which is mostly debunked, but mostly it still dominates the paradigm of providers and insurers that millions of people have a chemical imbalance that can be corrected with drugs. And what's needed is to talk about the past, which can actually be paralyzing for many of us, or worse, it re-triggers us right into dysregulation and CPTSD. 
It is so common for adults who had a hard childhood to go round and round the merry-go-round of the old system of therapy and medication, new therapists, new medication, and so on, and never really recover. And after a while, when hope fades, we just end up blaming ourselves or justifying ourselves. What we now know is that childhood PTSD is at its foundation neurological. It develops in relation to brain changes caused by early adversity, abuse, neglect, and, and intensely stressful conditions. For example, the brain development in a baby who's neglected by parents can be slowed and altered. And instead of learning from a loving parent to connect and feeling comforted by loving touch, a neglected baby is overwhelmed by stress and all the body reactions that come with that. Now this baby might develop a more or less permanent state of terror that she'll be left alone or she'll learn to escape the flood of emotion and just space out, seeming to need nothing like, oh, a good baby, right? These adaptations though, they literally produce changes in brain development and those changes leave us prone to dysregulation. Now, most of the time, most people, including us, we're pretty well regulated. <laughs> Brainwaves and body systems are working smoothly and evenly like like a series of lines flowing along together. When a stress response is triggered, which happens a lot in childhood PTSD, brainwaves and body systems, like your heart rate and your breathing, it starts to go chaotic. It goes up and down. They're, it's not working together. It's not flowing. So literally when you're looking at the visual expression of brainwaves, you'll see a lot of squiggly lines. And instead of like rising up and going down together or flowing like a river, you're seeing chaos. Things are sort of going all over. And that is what it feels like, right? Triggers that would set this off could be like a loud noise, a critical remark, a feeling of being left out or abandoned, or, you know, just feeling embarrassed. And most people might feel some distress at those triggers, but for us, they can launch an emotional explosion, like a flood of rage or a flood of shame or checking out mentally and emotionally, which is called dissociation. So flooding with emotion is often followed by dissociation and all of it is connected to dysregulation. So are you relating to this so far? When you're dysregulated, you lose your train of thought. You may lose your ability to find the right words. You may feel clumsy or panicked or lost or literally numb. And in a dysregulated state, it's super easy to miss danger signals or to emotionally overreact or to make serious life-altering social mistakes, to say the wrong thing. It can be dangerous to, to drive when you're dysregulated. I recommend people pull over and it can be really hard to pay attention and remember and communicate and learn. So once you learn this, it, it can explain so much about why school may have been a challenge for you, why relationships can be so troubled and why it's so hard to change. And it can also explain why medication and therapy haven't worked so well for childhood PTSD. Now, I just need to say that medication and therapy work really well for some people. And if you're a therapist or doctor who does not tend to get dysregulated under stress, I know that it seems like those traditional approaches to treatment would or should be effective, but there's no clear evidence that they're a good line of treatment. And in fact, for people who tend to dysregulate, talking about troubling memories, like in therapy, can make things worse. We get more upset and less able to think or analyze or remember. And medication can interrupt whatever natural processes may be available to us to re-regulate our brains. 
And they're not, these drugs, they're not specifically designed for re-regulation and their effects don't match very well with our symptoms. So what treatments are better tailored to help with dysregulation? As you may have already noticed, I'm personally wary of a lot of professional opinions only because in the past, the help that people tried to offer me was usually way off base and unhelpful and judgy, if not outright harmful. But different people respond to different things. And many, many medical and mental health professionals are actively engaged with new research and revising standard approaches to care. And there is so much hope. So it is well worth summarizing some of the things that other people have found helpful. I was convinced to be open-minded by the excellent book on trauma, Bessel van der Kolk's The Body Keeps the Score. That book has been foundational to a lot of our understanding of what CPTSD really is and what to do about it. So he's a psychiatrist at Harvard who's dedicated his whole career to understanding trauma and what actually helps us. And here are a few things he's recommended. Uh, one is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing or EMDR. You'll hear this talked about a lot. It's a powerful technique. It's endorsed by the Veterans Administration and it helps to integrate the hunting and traumatic memories that are typical of PTSD. And in PTSD, the activation of certain memories produces an intense psychological and physiological distress like nightmares and pounding heart and outbursts of rage as though the event is happening in this very moment. And these reactions occur again and again, and they don't tend to diminish over time. So EMDR involves the use of controlled side-to-side -side eye movements or vibrating paddles or other tools that alternately stimulate the left and right brain. And the practitioner helps you to visit traumatic memories and then you know, reprocess them so that they can become more like a normal memory, remembered, but not so intensely charged. The effects can be very long lasting. And occasionally people who have benefited from it will opt to come back for EMDR sessions months or years later for like a touch up. And the technique is notably effective at treating adult onset trauma for many people. I used it with unbelievable success. Really, I didn't expect it to work. I didn't expect it to help me get over trauma, but it was something that happened 15 years ago when I found a friend dead and performed CPR for 20 minutes, long story, I was waiting for the ambulance. And as you can imagine, I was very triggered and it led to like an avalanche of PTSD symptoms. This was before I knew that I had CPTSD, but I was looping on a feeling of being panicked and you know frantic and kind of like thinking again and again about the scenario where I found him. And it was happening like every time I thought about it, every time I drove past where it happened, like 10 times a day. And it went on for over a year. And EMDR helped me to stop doing that in one treatment, <laughs> just saying. But EMDR is not as effective at treating complex trauma, which is the childhood PTSD kind. And that was also my experience. It, it wasn't that helpful for treating childhood stuff. Good for adult stuff, um, but there are no hard and fast rules. You should be open-minded. All right. Neurofeedback, that's another treatment that's gotten some traction out there. The practitioner attaches electrodes to your face and scalp to measure brain activity and monitor when you're in a relaxed state versus a stress response. And you then listen to sounds or you watch a video or some kind of stimulus that changes when your brain state changes. So when I tried it, I watched a travel video on a screen that went dark whenever my brain was unfocused or stressed and it brightened when I calmed my mind. 
and you're barely conscious of what you're doing, but apparently, you know, our brains can learn from this form of biofeedback to reach a relaxed and alert state and stay there more of the time. It can take dozens of sessions to get lasting results, which can be a drawback if you don't have really good health insurance or lots and lots of cash. But a lot of people have found it helpful. Now, I didn't expect this, but some of the most promising treatments out there are using psychedelics. Those are in clinical trials right now. MDMA, psilocybin, ketamine. They're being used to deal with PTSD, depression, anxiety, addiction, and Early results of the trials right now are showing that with trained practitioners, psychedelic therapy could be a good way to break through trauma that's stuck. And I'll be sure to share more findings as they're published. I'm keeping my eye on that. Now, some other trauma-informed therapies that some of my students have valued are lifespan integration therapy, brain spotting, acceptance and commitment therapy, the Wim Hof method, which I happen to love, which includes vigorous deep breathing exercises and dunks in cold water or cold showers. I love it now. I never thought I would. Um, other techniques, tapping, which is also called the emotional freedom technique. That's very popular and it's free. A lot of people uh, love that they have something they can do anytime that's not very conspicuous. You know, you can just be kind of tapping yourself while you process thoughts and feelings and it can calm your anxiety. There are terrific videos on YouTube that show you how to do it. Um, you tap along acupressure points kind of or meridians of the body and some people say the benefits are just a placebo effect and that people say that about a lot of methods that people are finding useful so I say if it's free it's easy and it works for you it's awesome do that all right writing writing is free and simple it's a technique that I rely heavily on to re-regulate so our self-expression through writing comes from a different part of the brain than speaking. So writing about what's bothering us can be a way around the upset that we sometimes experience from talking about problems. I really have that. Now some studies suggest that it's the physical action of writing as well, of using your hand and touching the paper that help get the thoughts out of your head and somewhere more manageable where you can process it, like on the paper. Some people journal, some people free associate. I teach people to write a list of fears and resentments twice a day, followed by a very simple meditation. And I have a free course on that technique. It's always included in the description section of my videos. So you can learn it, you can try it, you can share it with absolutely anyone, even kids. It's really nice actually to write fears and resentments and meditate with other people. So if you take that course, I'll tell you all about it. Personally, I think most everyone should meditate, especially people with emotional difficulty or attention problems. I know that meditation can be a challenge for people with dissociation, but I can't tell you how many people tell me, you know, I can't really meditate because my mind is so active. And if this is you, I would just say, that's all the more reason to sit down and close your eyes for a few minutes or better yet, 20 minutes. The technique I teach it's a very restful meditation. You rest your mind and you let your mind kind of, you know, re-equilibrate and come back to itself. So it's, it's so easy. You don't even have to know what you're doing. It's just a rest. It's a writing technique followed by a rest. You can take a class for meditation. I think that's really helpful. Or you can just watch YouTube videos on how to do it. And um, I have one in my free course. I've learned several forms of meditation over the years. I've learned mindfulness, vipassana, passage meditation. But the one I've stuck with regularly for the last 27 years or something, yeah, is Vedic meditation, which is also known as transcendental meditation. 
And I like it because it's super easy, just using a mantra to focus on for 20 minutes twice a day. You don't have to sit a special way and you can do it on a train or in, in your car or even in bed. And I'm a very busy person, so this makes it very doable for me. Now I know in some faith traditions that transcendental meditation isn't compatible because of its Hindu roots. And to that, I just say, no problem. Find a simple meditation that lets you rest and that works for you and that does harmonize with your faith. All right, another category of treatment that helps with dysregulation uh, um, is, is the physical methods. And this includes yoga, dance, um, martial arts, and touch, massage, movement therapies like somatic body work, Reiki, Feldenkrais, and I know there are so many more. And these help heal the nervous system and integrate awareness of the self and the environment through movement. And it completely makes sense that traumatic memory is stored in the body and can be accessed or triggered or soothed through physical means. And just one very good common sense thing to know is that vigorous exercise, like hard enough to break a sweat, you can also calm a lot of CPTSD symptoms with your diet. And that's certainly been my experience. Now dysregulation can make it hard to be intentional about anything, including the food you put in your mouth. But a diet that includes kind of minimal sugar and flour and other like fast carbs, it can help your brain stay calm and regulated and it can keep your mood more upbeat and steady. So some people find coffee can help with regulation. I like coffee. Other people have noticed caffeine just totally throws them off. So you gotta be true to yourself on that one. Now back when I had the adult onset PTSD, at the time I mentioned I found my friend dead, I was absolutely drowning uh, in a massive repetitive fight or flight reaction it was like 18 months. And this is right before I learned that what I had was CPTSD. And my doctor and therapist were pushing medication because for real, adrenal overload like this breaks down the immune system and opens the door to more serious illness. So any intervention might be better than none. But I did a little online research at the time that suggested that I go running for 45 minutes a day or you know, briskly walking and that I stop eating sugar. And my symptoms when I did these things, like. Like within a couple days, my symptoms went down about 60%. It was amazing. I'd recommend that you do this every day, trauma or no trauma, is exercise and cut down on sugar and flour, if you can. If you're recovering from CPTSD, you know, it's just nice to know there's these little steps you can take that can just kind of put you at a different level. I can also vouch for yoga. Um, some gifted professionals have developed yoga practices specifically designed for treating trauma, meaning, there's sensitivity around feelings and memories that could be triggered by certain poses and an emphasis on being conscious and gentle with whatever may be triggered, okay? So more treatments are being tried all the time and forgive me if I didn't cover some that you know about that you found helpful. I try to keep learning what's out there and I'll look forward to learning more. Personally, learning about dysregulation was the great turning point for me and once you understand dysregulation, you may find you need to rethink a lot of beliefs you have, beliefs that you inherited from therapists and medical professionals and the culture in general, that the way your crappy childhood affected you, you know, they told you it was mainly psychological. So here are some of the reasons that have been applied to you as well as what might really have been going on. If you were depressed or anxious, you might have been told you have a chemical imbalance. If you made self-sabotaging choices, you might have been told that you were trying to recreate your childhood in order to work it out or conquer it. 
If you gained a lot of weight, you may have been told that you were trying to avoid intimacy. If you smoke, they may have told you that you have an unconscious need to rebel or maybe even a death wish. Now there may be some truth to these assumptions, but not for everybody. And it's much more likely that what was really going on is dysregulation. It was affecting your mood. It was complicating your perception of danger in stressful situations. And dysregulation was maybe disrupting your hormonal systems that regulate appetite and metabolism. And smoking, you know, I know from experience, it's a crude but effective way to re-regulate when you're dysregulated. That's why it's so hard to quit. Take it from me. <laughs> that is exactly why I used to be a two pack a day smoker. And then I learned to re-regulate and I was able to let that go, which was such a relief because it was making me feel really, really bad. So my point is this assumption that all of our problems are psychological is just not true. And it may have left us with some confusion and self blame that somehow you're the crazy girl or guy and everything you experience is wrong. But no, you're off the hook. The root cause of your childhood PTSD is neither chemical nor psychological. It's neurological. Early trauma can cause actual structural changes in the developing brain. And this means we're wired differently than other people. The most important thing to remember is trauma is not who you are. It's an injury. And with persistence and an, an open-mindedness, you can break out of old limiting ideas about what's possible for you and instead heal yourself. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.